Welcome in to the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Lots going on this weekend. He's Jay Kaplan. I'm Mike Meltzer. I think I should actually start off by mentioning that if you want to hear us talk in detail about Justin Verlander, his season ending and 2021 season ending Tommy John surgery, make sure you check out our Saturday emergency podcast. It was our first emergency podcast of 2020 of the whole season. So all of our thoughts about the news, the timeline, is there any blame? What's the impact short term on the season? What's the impact long term on 2021 and the franchise? Make sure you check out the last episode we did on Saturday. This one's going to be more of a hodgepodge. Talk about the weekend. Talk about George Springer. Preview the big series in Seattle with my friend Paul Gallant a little bit later uh, as well. Jake, how are you doing on this Monday? I'm doing okay. I feel like we talk every day now. Uh, I know. It's, Saturday it's, it's almost every day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's been a, a lot of potting lately. But uh, yeah, I, I hope everyone uh, goes and listens to Saturday's pod. I, I thought that was unexpected news, um, you know, but it obviously has huge implications for the present and future of the Astros. Uh, and I would also like to remind people that we have a, the Athletic has a limited time uh, deal going for, for new subscribers at the moment, $1 per month. Um, so take advantage of that while you can. If you if you like this podcast and want to support the podcast, you can do it through our podcast at theathletic.com slash Crawford Talks. Um, or you can just go to any of my story links and get the uh, access the, the deal through through any of those links. So we have a a bunch of things to get into over the course of uh, today's episode. Quick reminder, schedule-wise, in a week, the regular season will be over. In a week, barring an epic collapse, the Astros will be be in the playoffs and getting ready for their uh, wildcard round series, which I think Jake is probably going to run, what is that going to be, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Correct. Yeah. And likely the A's at this point. Likely the A's at this point. All right, let's start with uh, Sunday's game, George Springer, where we are moving forward here. I actually thought there have been some games that, that I've seen, not just with the Astros baseball, but just across sports that that I I mean, I miss fans in general, but particularly in a, in a game like Sunday where for all intents and purposes, the smart money would be on Sunday being George Springer's last home game in an Astros uniform. This is a guy who I thought the direction of the franchise, frankly, changed when they brought him up six years ago, and I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, I don't know if people appreciate this nationally, but I know they definitely do locally in Houston. I think really he's been the heart and soul of the team for uh, the majority of that time period. I'm not sure if people kind of sense that nationally, but I think that's definitely the case here. And I would have liked to have seen... Minute Maid Park packed with fans for that occasion, given that he basically was the reason why they won the game. I mean, he willed them to victory. Yes, they had good pitching performances and such, but he had an inside the park home run, another home run off our old friend uh, Hector Rondon. And I just thought it was just a just a sensational performance in what is probably going to be Springer's last game in an Astros uniform at home. Yeah, it's it's weird because it's like in 2020, there's not really any reason to differentiate between home and road games anymore because they're literally yeah. all the same except for the, the ballpark dimensions and where the players sleep at night. But um, it, it was noteworthy that it was, you know, I, I think we'll look back on his that 
being his last game, home game as an Astro and him hitting two home runs was kind of true to form. You know, it seems like every big game he does something like that. Um, not every big game. That would be absurd. But, like, he, he has a flair for the dramatic. You know, I think didn't he have a three-home run game in their division clincher last year um, at home? Yep. So, and obviously his his playoff heroics are, are well-documented in 2017 and a little bit of 2018, too. Um, yeah, it was, you know, a two-home run game. He's now... He, he's now their OPS leader uh, for the season. He's heating up um, at the right time for, for them. Um, he's their, he's I should note, given our trivia question of a week ago, that he is now their, their B-War leader. <laughs> he, he overtook Christian Javier, as did a couple others. He uh, did not overtake Yuli Gurriel. He did. <laughs> he, he has already overtaken he, him. He had already done that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's weird because he's like, the only one hitting right him and Brantley um it's this offense is still so mystifying to me yeah it really is I I, I don't know what to make of it I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at the box score from Sunday's game right now because it just has all the numbers and it, it's it's just bizarre I think you've really put it well that uh if you kind of go up and down the, the lineup, you know, how many spots do they have above average production at that particular position, whether it's like, you know, third base or second base or catcher, first base? It's it's really strange. It's just really strange that I mean, especially this last week or so where they've been able to win games against inferior competition. But still, you look at it, it's like four runs, no runs, six runs. They won two games this weekend scoring three runs apiece. Um, the last time they scored, uh, I guess, a quote-unquote notable amount of runs was the Saturday comeback last week against the Dodgers. But, that you know, that that's five runs. Like, the last time they scored a bunch was actually those games in Los Angeles against the Angels two weeks ago. You mean Anaheim? I mean Anaheim, yes. <laughs> yes. Not L.A. People there would be upset if you called... Uh Orange County, L.A. That, that's a good point. My sister just moved there. So now, now, now I have to know these things and these distinctions. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. I mean, they have a worse team OPS than the Orioles who aren't trying yep. to win and don't have that many like actual established major league players. Um, four of their five of their nine players, five of their nine regulars in the lineup are now below average. Um, the only players who are above average OPS wise are Springer, Brantley, Tucker and Bregman. So it's it doesn't really make any sense. You could say small sample size, but even in a small sample size, you would expect them to be above average um, as a team, given the names in their lineup. Um, you know, Carlos Correa is one that, that doesn't make any sense to me. His OPS is now under 700. He's slugging 372, which is more than 100 points worse than his career average. Um, it's I, really I, bizarre. Yeah, I don't really get it. I mean, he might win the gold glove, which I know is unrelated to that. But, you know, if, if you're doing one thing super well and then the other just I mean, Carlos Correa, is, he's a he's a big guy. Obviously, he has power and it, it just doesn't make any sense for that slugging percentage to be at 372. That That is astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk more about the gold glove later. I have some thoughts on that, too. But we have plenty. <laughs> I'm, of, I'm sure you do. We have plenty of time to talk about that. Do you, so, do you think that Sunday was Springer's last home game as an Astro? Because I think I, I've already mentioned that I do. Um, do you agree? I think so in that if you're asking me, it's much more likely that 
he leaves than he stays. Um, you know, I mean, you, you've said it before, like there are 29 other teams. It's more likely one of them signs him as opposed to them re-signing him because there are more of them than there are the Astros. And even if they might get some sort of like, you know, first right of refusal or anything, not not technically or legally, just maybe in practice. Yeah, the smart money would be on Springer playing elsewhere in 2021. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, you know, obviously he still has seven more games with them, plus two or three in the first round, plus if they win there, however, however long they go. But um, it does kind of feel like the, the end of an era with him if he does leave, because like you said, he has kind of been their their heart and soul. He's like their energy source at the top of the lineup. Um, yep. And he's, you know, just from a number standpoint, been one of their three best players during this you know, sustained run they've had. So, um, yeah, it, it, what would have been, I'm sure fans would have liked to have been at his last home game, although in a normal year with fans, this wouldn't have been his last home game because they would have been guaranteed at least one home playoff game, right? So um, it's all, that is it's a good all point. weird. <laughs> it's all, yeah, it's all, it's all really strange. His numbers obviously are back to where they are not quite where they are in a, in a normal situation, but much closer than they were, let's say, uh, a month ago. I, I do think this. I think the Astros will, I think they'll re-sign somebody uh, between the trio of Springer, Gurriel, and Brantley. I, I expect them to re-sign one of those guys. I just don't think it'll be Springer because I expect him to be the most expensive guy. And I'll add real quick, um, you know, as much as he is the heart and soul and he's been such a key part of what they have done, he is 31. And a lot of times you got you have to look at this and you have to, if you're in the front office, any front office, you have to remove your emotion from it and you have to just look at it clinically and say, when they re-signed Altuve, he was younger. When they re-signed Bregman, he was substantially younger. Um, Verlander's a special case because of who he is and he's a pitcher. Uh, Springer's 31. If Springer was 28, maybe I'd feel differently internally about what the Astros should do in this situation. Yeah, I mean, there's a decent chance, you know, they got his best years you know maybe he extends his prime into 33 34 but yep even so like it's gonna take more than three years to sign him i think i think he's gonna get paid i think even despite all the uncertainty with the upcoming market um i do think the top guys will still get paid i think it's the middle class that'll get squeezed um okay i mean he might not get as much as he would have you know if there was no pandemic um but, you know, I, I do think he'll get four years. I don't know how much money, but I think he'll get, he'll get a good contract from someone. There's so many teams that need uh, players of his talent level, um, you know, that are just like desperate for that star power. Right. So, um, yeah. what I guess to counter your last point, what makes you think that they'll resign even one of them because the other two guys are even older, right? They're, they're, Brantley is going to be 34, Gurriel is going to be 37. Um, and yeah. if you just look at it, you know, on paper with their free agents, the teams, the front office removing any sen- sentimental aspect of it, like, you know, w- what makes you think that they, they're going to re-sign those guys at that age? We'll get right back to the show after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Part of it is because I think they're going to need to spend money to replace to replace them. And, and so why not it be one of those guys that they actually know? So it's not like they have internal replacements uh, for all of them, obviously. Like, yes, Kyle Tucker will be slotted into one of the outfield spots, and deservedly so in 2021. Uh, first base, I don't have a clue. Uh, the other the other outfield spot, like, I mean, you can obviously start Miles My- Straw in 2021, and maybe that's what they end up doing, but everybody knows that if you do that, then you are, you're putting in a guy who might be fine defensively, and he made some nice plays over this weekend, but, like, you're talking about someone from a from a hitting standpoint who like that's you know he's going to be one of your last three hitters and that's going to weaken your lineup. Uh, so I think with Guriel and Brantley, I don't know where they fit in the free agent class when it comes to like the elite guys and the middle class. But I wonder if they could get one of them on a shorter term deal just to kind of patch things for 2021 and 2022. Maybe that's unrealistic, but I'll just put it this way. If they lost all three, then my take would be, well, they've got to go out and sign some guys, which is going to cost some money. And so that's why if I had to bet, I'll say they could they would re-sign one of those three. They could also trade for guys. Um, but yeah, I... Yeah, th- 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 that's true. They could trade for guys. Yes. Um, there's going to be a ton of non-tenders this year. And I think the team... There's going to be a lot of teams trying to be creative and finding... Um, reclamation projects on the on the scrap heap, so to speak, from all these non-tenders because they're going to flood the market with non-tenders because of the economy, uh, the pandemic economy. So, um, yes. yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if all three guys were were elsewhere. I, I guess Guriel coming off of a down year uh, at thirty seven could maybe make probably has the best odds right of returning just because of he's probably going to be the cheapest. Um, yes. but even that, like whenever a guy becomes a free agent, there's a greater chance that they resign or sign somewhere else. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Brantley gets at least two years, if not two years with an option. I think Guriel, I would have said two years, uh, with an option for him also, uh, or at least two years, but he's struggled this year. It's, it's also like, how much do you make of this year for any player? And if you're the Astros for an office, how much like you have to project what the offense will be next year. You know, like what will Altuve be next year? What will Correa be next year? Uh, what will Tucker be next year? Like, yeah, Alvarez back. Yeah. But like, what do we, how do we factor 2020 into that calculation? Like, do we buy into the fact that Correa regressed in 2020 or was it just a small sample? And the other way with Kyle Tucker, if we have, to, if we talk about small samples with the guys who are struggling, we got to talk about yes. with the guys who are, who are, have improved. So like, what do you make of any of these stats? Maybe they'll just, maybe they'll just throw out all the bad stuff and just buy into all the good stuff. I'm sure that's exactly what they'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how, how you do it. And like, especially, you know, factoring in the guys you target and free agency and trades, like it's going to be really interesting to see what stats people value um, going forward, because I, I really don't know well, how you how you measure all this stuff. 
I think it's an excellent point. And going back to what you asked me, you know, why do I think that they'll re-sign one of those guys? And part of my thinking is just where the Astros are competitively. Like, moving forward, um, they have some big contracts locked in, and especially for 2021. You know, I know Verlander, whether it's insurance, whether it's paid by insurance or not, it still counts towards the luxury tax and such. Uh, Altuve, Granke, Bregman, uh, they're going to be spending significant money in 2021. They're going to have to try to win in 2021, especially because I assume the playoff field will be expanded to some level or another. So I think that's, that is baked a little bit into my prediction is when you have the kind of investments that they have in 2021 and when you have Lance McCullers and Carlos Correa in their last year before free agency, like all the, the arrow for next season still points to, hey, you're trying to win and be as good as you can. That, that That's part of what's baked into my thinking on that. Yeah, but I think these modern like front offices and and the Astros included for sure like they don't they think they want to win every year like the 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 goal of all these teams now is to build a sustainable you know organization and um especially if the playoffs are expanded that's not going to incentivize teams to spend more money um and you mentioned the contracts they already have like they also have a lot of good players like I, I think if there's expanded playoffs and two teams from each division are making it like this roster as it is now would be the second best in the AL West next year. I agree. Um, so yeah, I just, I would temper expectations on, on all this stuff because they, I think they want to build like every team does like a sustainable thing. And you know, if you sign everyone, you're not doing that, right? If you sign yes. everyone, you are the 2012 Phillies and the 2014 Tigers, you know, like the, the, way to 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 kind of keep it going is to get controllable young talent and build a farm system and you know not be tied into a ton of like huge contracts i have a ran a bit of a random question on this note if roberto osuna does not need tommy john surgery do you think it is more likely or less likely they decide to bring him back and decide there's gonna be a double negative not to non-tender him based on the bullpen situation this year and trying to build up the bullpen for 2021? I still think you got to non-tender him um, because you don't know. I mean, first of all, they have a lot more information about his health status than we do, right? We have yep. we have next to none. Um, but even if he was healthy, I think he was going to be a non-tender candidate because of how much money he's going to make and he's – you know, he, he's going to make, like, through the arbitration process, he would make, like, top three closer money, top three reliever money. Um, and I just don't think, you know, if, if you're looking to spend money on the outfield and maybe, you know, in the rotation, um, I don't think that's, like, the smartest investment, especially now that he's hurt. But... That makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it wouldn't shock me if they if it happened, but it would it would, you know, I'm expecting an untender. Okay, I just wanted to, to kind of take your temperature on that and see where you were because I know that's going to be obviously one of James Click's uh, big projects. After I mean, the it doesn't have to be Tommy John either, right? Like, I think we're it seems like we're yeah, falling into the else. Tommy sure. John with every injury now. It's not you know we don't really know what his status is. We just know it's a arm injury or elbow injury. Um, and who knows, maybe he can rehab it and come back and be fine. But even then, there's still the uncertainty of, 
of how does he hold up and and also like like we've talked about in previous weeks he's not elite right he's good but he's not he's not like a dominant closer yeah he's not he's not elite i think he's definitely a cut below uh so i, I just kind of want to see where you, where you are and I, I i still think that this again this the smart money is probably where where you are because if he's going to go through the arbitration process it's going to go through the history of where closers are what they make and so he's you know he's going to make more money that way than he probably would uh even in free agency in a, in a non-tender i possibly especially Definitely. depending on this covid economy no he's gonna i mean he's he, i think he stands to lose a lot of money if he gets non-tendered um, yeah it's it's really interesting economically that that whole situation yeah um yeah i i think they Did could you spend know? they could spend his money on two relievers right or one outfielder like and that might that might very well be the better option no doubt yeah did you know that on sunday jake George Springer's home run was the 2000th at Minute Maid Park, and I learned that he also hit the 1500th home run at Minute Maid Park as well. Wow. Can you f- find me a more manufactured milestone next time? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I didn't even know they count this stuff. Well, they have that like pump thing out there, right? That I know they have pump, the thing, yes. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, are we positive that thing's counted every single one correctly? Should we recount? um i'm sure with baseball someone would have done that by this point so i'll I'll assume it's true i think it counts the playoffs too but yeah i i don't um yeah i don't really have much to say about that it just it's uh, a a strange milestone that i i don't know uh how much people actually think about i don't think anybody cares about it like i i I don't i don't know there's certain things it's it's like like what? What kind of fan is is invested into that sort of thing? It's just it's like it's like really weird. You're talking about like completely different eras and generations of teams. Uh, I just I I don't get it. And it's two thousand. It's it. not like one thousand. It's not ten thousand. It's two thousand. Right? Like it's yes. Um, yeah. I don't think there were Vegas odds on that one. I don't think so. And it's like who and I think about it compared to the rest of Major League Baseball. It's like who the hell knows who hit like the, you know, five, the five thousandth home run at Yankee Stadium. Is this like a thing that people are are aware of? I wouldn't think so. No, I don't think so. I think like the only run milestones were like the what was the um, the now the Bob Watson uh, milestone um was it the a millionth run in baseball history or something like okay, that? that I'm, I'm embarrassing myself so, I mean, now that, by not knowing but um that's like the only run milestone yeah it was one baseball's one millionth run that's like the only like run milestone i can think of that seems re- yeah. relevant i i think you and i are, are are of like mind on these sort of quote-unquote milestones yeah yeah let's Let's talk about the playoffs, assuming the Astros get there. Magic number is three. That means that if they win two of the next three against Seattle, they will be in the postseason. With one, they should be in good shape. They finish up with four against Texas, which is obviously good news as well. Do you believe, um, do you believe the odds now? 99.8% on, on fan graphs. Does it feel that high to you? Okay, so 99.8% on fan graphs, 997 on ESPN. Uh, 
I'm leaning there. I still feel like for me, it's more like 95 to 98. But yeah, I think I think this weekend and particularly Sunday where the Astros won and Seattle and the Angels both lost feels like, OK, like <laughs> like I put it this way. If they weren't playing Seattle, then I'd feel then I'd feel like it was 99.9 because then you can like separate the results of the teams. Yeah. Uh, but Seattle has two very questionable pitchers going uh, in this series, I think, uh, especially this LJ Newsom character on Tuesday night. And so I, you know, Seattle has had a, a nice run, a nice season. We'll talk with Paul here coming up in a few minutes about, you know, what the buzz or, or lack thereof has been in Seattle. But they've really built their record largely on the basis of the games they played against Texas. If they hadn't played Texas, they wouldn't even be competing for a playoff spot in the last week of the regular season. Or if the Astros weren't underperforming so much, they wouldn't be yes. competing either. Uh, the, and the Angels, we should note, are a half game behind the Mariners right now, uh, kind of yes. hanging around there. But yeah, I mean, it's basically what a five game lead when you count the tiebreaker with seven to go. It would take yes. an epic collapse by the Astros for them not to be the, the sixth seed. Yes. So on that note, Jake, the pitching staff and what it's likely to be the starting rotation for the first round series Obviously, no Justin Verlander. Again, check out our Saturday emergency podcast for our full thoughts on Verlander, the impact long-term, short-term, and all of that. Uh, what are the indications right now about what the rotation is going to be? Yeah, so I mean, Zach Greinke's the presumptive game one starter. No surprise there. Um, and then two and th- so when, when Verlander was ruled out on Saturday, that left Jose Arquiti, Lance McCullers, and Framber Valdez to vie for the two and three starts, uh, game two and game three. Um, based on what Brent Strom said on Sunday, which I wrote about this morning, Monday morning on The Athletic, uh, he was asked which of his relievers, um, or starters, sorry, would be best equipped to move to the pen in the playoff situation. And he pretty much didn't hesitate and said the obvious answer is Framber Valdez. Um, so... That would lead me to believe that it would be Urquidy and McCullers in, in games two and three with Valdez in the pen. Um, the reason being he has, in, in Strom's words, uh, one of the most resilient arms on the team. And he has pretty yeah. even splits where you could you could use them against righties and lefties. Um, so, I mean, there's a case to be made that Valdez as a game one reliever might have more value than as a game three starter, but um, that's situation dependent also. So I, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. Um, you know, it gives them three lefties in the bullpen too, which is, you know, three more than they usually have, it seems like in, in previous yes. seasons. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, the Arkady, the late run by Arkady kind of made this possible. For some reason, this surprises me, even though what you said about Valdez out of the bullpen presents the kind of option that might be more valuable than a Game 3 starter. It seems like Dusty has always loved Framber Valdez this season, and he's been he's been like Dusty's horse. Mm-hmm. Like He's been the guy he keeps riding, and maybe this is some weird extenuation of that, but if you had asked me before you mentioned that, you know, what I thought was going to happen, I, I would have probably said... I think he'll go Granky Valdez McCullers, but it sounds like that's not the case. Yeah, I think my guess would be Granky or Keaty McCullers um, at this point. You know, that could change. If McCullers struggles on Monday night, you know, maybe our opinions change. If 
Um, Valdez is really good on Tuesday night. You know, I mean, you try not to yep. fall in love with the small sample stuff, but uh, at this stage of the game, it's all small sample. It's hard. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think um, Valdez in the pen makes some sense, especially because he's the one who's done it the most recent, right? He did it on August 2nd. He pitched. Yep. Six and a third dominant innings in relief, and didn't seem it didn't seem to bother him at all coming out of the bullpen. Uh, the other two guys, you know, Arkiti pitched a little bit out of the bullpen last year, but wasn't very good. Like he he kind of was seemed better as a starter, and and I don't think his stuff really ticked up out of the bullpen. Um, McCullers hasn't done it since 2018. Yeah, I think it's probably the safest option is Valdez in the bullpen, yeah. and um. It also, like, Grinky hasn't been that good lately, so it gives you that option of maybe if Grinky third time through the order is coming up and he's looking a little shaky, you could just go right to Valdez in the fifth or sixth inning of game one, you know, and ride him for a few innings. Yeah, you, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I'm, I'm looking at Zach Grinke's game log, and especially with just how pivotal that game one is going to be because no matter what happens, the team that loses is playing for their lives the next day. Zach Greinke, if you look at just this month, five innings, five innings, six innings, six innings. So, and, you know, he's gone eight innings once in that game that they won that Tuesday against the Rockies about a month ago or so. I think that was the Miles Straw walk-off hit. Like, Greinke doesn't really go deep into these games. And I, I don't know if, I don't know if Dusty Baker and James Click are thinking hey, if we put Fromber Valdez in the bullpen in the playoff series, we're thinking more game one versus game two. I don't know if they're thinking specifically like that, but it does make sense, even though Granke's clearly their best starter right now, that that's the game where they might need some outs to bridge themselves. Or, I mean, heck, I mean, who the hell knows? Like, that could be a situation where if Valdez comes in and is good enough, he can close out that game. I, I don't know. We've seen that kind of thing before. Yeah, all roles kind of go out the window in the playoffs. Um, yes, and you can't you can't assume that game three is going to happen, right? You kind of have to operate as if exactly it's a two day you, thing. Yeah, you you can't assume game three is going to happen. Absolutely. So, say you went Grenke Valdez piggyback in game one, then you have and you and you pulled out a win, then you have Arkady in your full bullpen. Not that their bullpen's good, but they they have it has shaped up a little bit. They better got options lately. Um, yes, you know that that seems like the best case scenario for them, but. You know, and they will have Christian Javier in the bullpen too. We should know. You know, he's a lock uh, as their fifth starter to be in the bullpen for for the first round, and especially against righties. You know, uh, and one time through the order, he could be like a valuable multi inning guy. Do you have a sense, Jake? Uh, obviously, this is a new year with Dusty Baker and James Click and how they handle things. Um, if and when the Astros clinch the postseason, do you have a feeling for like when this week we might know about, okay, here's what the likely starting rotation is going to be and when that announcement might come? I don't, but I think the schedule, like how they line up the rotation in the Rangers series would tell us, right? Like if yep. basically like what order do they put Arkady and McCullers in uh, if they start at all in the Rangers series? Um, but usually these teams like to wait till the last minute to set any announcements, especially because they can fall back on the, oh, we don't know our opponent yet, you know, um, even though they probably yeah. <laughs> do. But I guess there is a chance it's the White Sox, right? Like it's not a done deal that it's the A's. So, um, I mean, it still, it still could be the uh, the Rays too, no? I mean, right now, as of Monday morning, the Rays and White Sox are tied in the loss column. The A's are only a game behind in the loss column. Yeah. So I guess it, it could be. So we'll probably not 
you know, they might hold off until Sunday or Monday to tell us all this stuff. So it could be a while. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Um, but I think you can pretty much map out their playoff roster, right? I, you know, there's a few roles in flux, but their playoff roster is pretty much set. So you're telling me Umberto Castellanos will play will play a key role on the, on the playoff roster he, is what I'm he's hearing. He's the closer. I mean, we were talking about <laughs> non-tender and Osuna. I mean, the, you got your closer in waiting. The first high-lever spot in the postseason in a week and a day. You gotta go to Umberto Castellanos. It absolutely needs to happen. I think I think Josh James has taken over that role, right? As the new first guy up in high leverage spots, yeah. it seems like. I will say, Josh James, more promising results recently. I still don't trust them, but the results have been a little bit better, granted against weak competition. They've been a little better. I think Dusty wants him, based on how he's using him, to be like a dude in the playoffs. Yeah, um, I think that's right. And he's looked better. You're right. He has. Um so we shall see. I mean, the, between him and Taylor and Rayleigh and Paredes and Presley, um, you know, there's a lot of good options and there's also a lot of volatility, right? Like you don't exactly yes. know what you're going to get. But that's kind of the nature of bullpens in general. Um, and there aren't many teams who aren't dealing with volatility in their bullpen. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication – it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com Crawford and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash Crawford today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash Crawford. And right now, the Astros, as of our recording on Monday morning, the magic number of three, any combination of Astros wins and, you know, Mariners losses is going to deliver them to the postseason. They play the next three against uh, Seattle. So if they win two of these and they basically clinch a playoff spot, Lance McCullers Monday, Framber Valdez Tuesday, and then Zach Greinke on Wednesday. Let's hear more about this big Seattle series right now on the Crawford Talks. And joining us now on the latest edition of the Crawford Talks is my good friend, my former coworker. He does morning drive in Seattle on 710 ESPN Radio. The Paul Galan joins us on the Crawford Talks. Paul, how are you? Mike, it's a pleasure. Jake, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. And I couldn't believe that I would be talking about the Mariners <laughs> during some sort of playoff push at the end of this year. But here we are. What's the buzz in Seattle right now? Like, is there buzz or on your morning show uh, with you and uh, Danny? Are you mostly focusing on the Seahawks? I imagine like, is there buzz for this series and the end of the regular season? There's there's very little buzz for the end of the regular season. I, I got to be honest. I think that there's any buzz at all about the Mariners this year is a bit of a surprise. It's a lot like Houston when the baseball team was not doing so well back in, you know, 14 and, and, and before 15. 
the baseball talk is pretty much minimal during football season. Everyone's very excited about this Seahawks team. But I will say, this Mariners team has been a surprisingly entertaining product this year. I think that everyone who has followed this team for the last couple of years would have told you that unless Jared Kelnick, their top prospect, comes up in the middle of the year, maybe Logan Gilbert, their top pitching prospect, that this was probably going to be a really long, long year. Instead, you've gotten an unbelievable performance out of Kyle Lewis in his first full season. Dylan Moores looked pretty good. Kyle Seeger at one point was hitting the way that the Mariners, I think, hoped that he would hit for them when they gave him that big extension all those years ago. J.P. Crawford had a nice start to the year. And the starting pitching's been adequate. They have been, honestly... I am, I, I am okay watching two and a half to three hours of baseball every night. I don't think I would be saying that this year. Yeah, I don't know anyone who didn't pick the Mariners to finish fifth. And if it had been a 162-game season, I, I still might think it would even out over that and they would probably finish fourth or fifth. But uh, in the 60-game season, they, they've held their own. And, you know, you mentioned their starting pitching. I'm looking at Marco Gonzalez's baseball reference page and – um, he's been a, a above average starter for them. And the amazing thing about him is he doesn't walk anyone. He has five walks all year. Um, just kind of crazy. I think he is who the Astros will face on Monday night against Lance McCullers too. He's their best pitcher by far. And I think for you guys, the similarities would be before Dallas Keuchel all of a sudden stopped being what we had seen from him over a couple of years. There are some comparisons there. He, he's not going to throw a whole lot of velocity on you, but his location is about as pinpoint as it gets, as you saw with the walk number. And he is essentially the leader of this Mariners team. He is the veteran presence. He's the most, I think, outspoken of all their players. And he does exactly what the Mariners would like to have all of their starting rotation at some point down the road doing, which is making sure that they establish command of the strike zone and that you are going to see very minimal walks out there. Now, that is something that they're going to have to get better efforts out of some of their other starting pitchers. But um, he has been really impressive this year and has been carrying this team. When you take a look at the rest of the rotation, <laughs> what, what do you think, Paul? I know obviously there are no fans in the stands right now. What do you think the atmosphere would be like? Obviously the Mariners are a couple of games back of the Astros. They're not likely to make it. They need to basically sweep the series and have a great last week. What do you think the atmosphere in the stadium would be like if fans could actually be there? I think there would be somewhat of a buzz, but I don't think that people would be expecting a whole lot. There's still a lot of pessimism with this fan base. I mean, it's been 20 years since they've been Mm -hmm. in the playoffs and there's been a lot of almost, but not quite. I think because of the way that Kyle Lewis has played this year, that there would be a little bit of buzz. But for the most part, I think everyone still looks at the Mariners in ways that they've looked at them over the past couple of years, where it's still this really long, long, patient wait, hoping that at some point this is going to be a team that pushes for playoff contention. The worst part about this year, guys, is that With those young players I talked about, Jared Kelnick and Logan Gilbert, the hope was that they were actually going to get minor league reps and that you would see them before the end of the season once they're, you know, they weren't going to be affected service time wise. 
at this point, I, I don't know why they haven't been called up because honestly, I think you're just missing out on any reps with them totally. I get that there's some fear with some past Mariners prospects that have come up and have not done so well. And you want to see Kyle, excuse me, uh, Kyle, uh, Jared Kelnick get some more minor league reps and he really hasn't had many to begin with. Um, but at, at this point, I think because they aren't bringing those young guys up and Julio Rodriguez, their other young prospect who had a wrist injury in, in spring training, the, the buzz isn't going to come until I think probably the second half of next year. And those guys at this point, now that they're not up, you know, they're not that Mariners are probably going to manipulate their service time to the point where they don't, don't bring them up until partially into the next season. Um, yeah, probably something like that. And, and, you know, you got to wonder long-term how that affects some of your young players. Jared Kelnick actually had, I think, an Instagram post, which just said SMH. And it came after, I think, Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times had written an article about the lack of reps that Kelnick's getting against, you know, pitching that he doesn't know. Because in Tacoma, where he's with the rest of the team, I mean, he's just facing the same guys over and over again. And he's had some good moments. He's had some down moments. But I think that he wants to get challenged. He's got a real, real ego about him. He's an interesting guy. I can't wait to see him at the major league level. Very confident and sure of himself. I remember that from the first time that we talked to him when we were down there in Peoria for Mariner Spring Training. He just sat down with us. And my goodness, hmm. the confidence that reeks from him is, is, is it's very amusing. Is it kind of like a Ale- young Alex Bregman vibe? Uh, yeah, you know what? But it's different. Um, with Bregman, Bregman, it's a little more in your face, right? With, with Kelnick, it's like, the most laid back yet confident person ever. I, I would, if I were to make a comparison, this might be a little bit of a reach. Imagine an, an extremely confident surfer. Uh, maybe, maybe, we're talking, maybe we're talking Bodie in point break. Like I, 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 <laughs> I like it. <laughs> there, there's this like confident and yet really cool and relaxed demeanor to him. Where with Bregman, there's a little more feistiness. Do you think that this run where the Mariners have at least made the last week interesting in the regular season, has increased expectations for next year? Or is it like, hey, it's a 60-game sample. Let's see what the hell happens in 2021. Yeah, that's that's what Jerry DePoto has been pushing with us too, the general manager. He has essentially been saying, look, this this year, what we're getting is gravy. And there have been a lot of surprises along the way. Kyle Lewis has been the biggest one. I don't think that they expected Lewis to be this good. I remember, um, you know, before I actually even had the job in Seattle, I, I saw Jared, excuse me, I keep on confusing all the prospects. That's not good. Kyle Lewis, <laughs> I saw his first home run, which was off Trevor Bauer um, and the Cincinnati Reds. I, I was flown up there and, and I remember watching it and thinking to myself, oh, wow, that was, that's a pretty impressive guy to hit your first home run off of and he had a nice finish to the season but that power it's continued and now 11 home runs on the year and I think the most surprising thing for Kyle Lewis this year has been his fielding I mean on Monday in the second game of a doubleheader played in smoke for some reason that was stupid uh you saw saw Kyle Lewis make an unbelievable catch against the center field wall and then people started making comparisons to what we saw from Ken Griffey Jr. in the 90s. And Ken Griffey Jr. even like commented on it saying, like, wow, nice catch, Kyle. So <laughs> Lewis has been awesome. And I think more than anyone has expected. But for the rest, it's there's still a ways away. And I mean, you usually see it. When they're playing teams not named the Texas Rangers and they start bringing in their bullpen, it gets pretty ugly and pretty quickly. Yeah, Kyle Lewis, I mean, he, he's what I think this this Mariners season will be remembered for if anyone remembers it for anything. Um, 
if you if you like took him and put his stats on the Astros right now, he would be the best player. Like he in terms of performance, like he is oh, yeah. having that good of a season. He's gonna finish top two in rookie of the year in the AL, right? With him and, and Luis Robert. Um, so I, yeah, I think the Mariners, you know, have a, a real good player on their hands, and you know, I think that has to generate buzz if nothing else, right? Like just just having yeah. a guy who's done it at the big league level. He's not just a prospect. You, you've actually seen the production. Exactly. And I think for a lot of Mariners fans are like, okay, we get it. You, you, you're, you have a great farm system. Woohoo! We haven't made the playoffs in 20 years. <laughs> you know, like the last, the last good team, remember, you know, the, the 116 win team, they didn't really live up to the expectations. And in the years before the 116 win team, I mean, the way that things ended with Ken Griffey Jr., I, I think that they look back at and there's probably some regrets on their front. Uh, and I know that there wasn't necessarily a whole lot of choice. Griffey Jr. wanted out. He wanted to go closer to home, but um, after a, a, a death of somebody who was very close to him. So, um, like, I understand, like, why the way things unfolded. But, man, this is this has been the most unsuccessful franchise in baseball period. You know, <laughs> you go to back before the nineties when they had their cute little runs with, with uh, Ken Griffey Jr. And Randy Johnson and Alex Rodriguez and all, and, and Jay Buhner and all those great players. I mean, this is, <laughs> it's a depressing history. I've been reading a book about it and my goodness, it's <laughs> that they did not move, that they did not leave Seattle uh, in the, in, in 1995 is really just, <laughs> something else and that they're still in Seattle right now. I suppose you can make the argument. It's the same thing, but they do have a nice stadium. And um, I do think things are moving in the right direction. And I, I, I give Jerry DePoto a lot of credit for being able to turn the farm system around the way that they had. And I mean, dumping off Robinson Cano and, and, yep. and finding a way to bring in Kalanick. The, the future is bright, but the question is how far away is the light at the end of the tunnel? I don't know what's more depressing, the Seattle Mariners history or, or the book about the Mariners history. Uh, what's the... Uh, no. Field by Field. It's a, it's an interesting read for those who are, who are real baseball nerds. Um, it, uh, really, I, I'm like I I can't believe that the team didn't move. They sounded like the most incompetent franchise of all time. Uh, I I gotta ask you this: What's the air quality like? Uh, like, are you able to breathe? Like, what what was it like last week? What what should we expect Monday through Wednesday? Uh, so. Uh, I didn't even know what the hell AQI was <laughs> until like Same. a week ago. Uh, so the air quality index reads 21 right now, which is, okay. I'm told. Uh, the hope is that continues. Honestly, we thought that the air was going to clear up last Tuesday, and it took until, or excuse me, uh, this past Tuesday, and it took until Friday for things to clear up. I, I don't think the air quality is going to be a problem, but honestly, I don't think that anyone has any idea how to predict that. And there's been wildfires all over the place on the West Coast, so... Hopefully, yeah, I'm not in a smog cloud uh, <laughs> or the, the Mariners aren't playing a doubleheader in it. My goodness. I can't believe they t- played two games in that smoke. The NFL, <laughs> their standard for playing games is 200. And they played two in 200 plus. And then the next day they're like, oh, yeah, that was a bad idea. Let's, uh, yeah. let's not play <laughs> yeah. here. And when you're behind the NFL and player safety uh, provisions. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is interesting, obviously, that the the race has come down to the last week, you know, based on the standings. I think the Astros should be in good shape, but uh, we will see what happens. The fact that this series is at all interesting, I think, is something that would have caught us by surprise about two months ago. He is Paul Gallant, 710 ESPN Radio in Seattle. Catch him morning, 7 to 10 a.m. Pacific time. Paul, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Houston, love you, miss you, and hope to see you again soon. Great stuff from Paul. It's fun to hear from him. Uh... We, I think everyone in Houston 
in the in the sports radio community misses him, right? Yeah, I think so. I think I think we all miss Paul and his uh, and his antics and his cats and, and all that kind of good <laughs> stuff and his energy as well. <laughs> yeah, he definitely brings the energy. Uh, that's for sure. Um, yeah, this should be an interesting series. I think um, you know maybe not as much suspense as we thought a few days ago that it might have. But, you know, the way the Astros are are struggling on offense, uh, you know, it seems like they're incapable of not playing close games, right? So it could be three more close games. Yeah, I mean, you look at it. Yeah, it's like it's almost like every game they they play recently has been a nail biter. Like minus the the, the last Sunday game against the uh, against the the Dodgers, every game is basically nip and tuck essentially, and that's that's really been the case for a large part of the last like two and a half weeks essentially. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll, it'll still be an interesting series. You know, if even if they do win two out of three or or clinch, you know, it's an important start Monday night for Lance McCullers. It's Important Tuesday yep. for Framber Valdez. I think, you know, what we mentioned, Grinky's been a little more inconsistent. So Wednesday, I think the Astros want to see, uh, you know, a, a better a performance, Gren- a more Grinky esque start. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. We'll have plenty to talk about on Thursday. You know, probably I would I would guess the magic number will will have dissipated to zero by then. But um, you know, should be an interesting few days. So we're back on Thursday, and we'll see if the Astros have indeed clinched uh, the playoff spot by that point. And maybe we'll have a better sense of who they will play in the first in the first round of the postseason, the wild card round. Although I, I think by Thursday, I think that will still not be uh, certainly a hundred percent clear. And I think by that point, we'll have a, a better sense of what the playoff roster is going to look like and the key questions heading into the final weekend of the regular season. So we will talk to you guys on Thursday. For Jay Kaplan, I'm Mike Meltzer. This has been the latest episode of the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast that's brought to you by The Athletic.